0: Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at Tech Advisor. I'm your host Don Preston, joined as ever by Henry Barrell and Lewis Painter. Oh, hello. hello. How are
1: you guys doing in this the busiest of busy weeks? <laughs> uh, makes the days go faster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm I'm quite I'm, I'm more productive on a deadline, so uh, yeah, it's busy but but we're getting stuff done. How about you, Lewis?
2: Yeah, I think I feel the same. Like the days definitely go a lot quicker when there's this much going on. But at the same time, I'm tired. I can't wait for this three-day weekend. (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
0: (laughs) Just churning through the hashtag content. Um, Yeah, for any viewers or listeners unaware, it is a busy time of the year for us. We obviously had Samsung's big Galaxy Unpacked launch not so long ago, and we will be talking about that today. Because we have had every single piece of hardware they launched in our grubby little hands, and we've been testing them out for the last two weeks, and we're ready to say what we think. Uh, we then next week have IFA, one of the year's big tech trade shows in Berlin, Germany. A few of our few of the Tech Advisor team will be out there. There are a lot. Of launches to come next week, we'll be doing our best to cover them. I actually don't know, disclaimer, whether we'll be able to do a fast charge out there or not. It's something we've talked about trying in the past, mm. um, but Henry and myself will be stranded in Berlin on questionable hotel Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> so our ability <laughs> to Hopefully do not stranded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way flights are going at the moment, you never know. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if we'll have an episode next week or not, but we will do our damnedest to make it happen. Uh, And then after Aoife is out of the way and we finally get to all breathe a sigh of relief, the work is done, we'll sit back and relax just in time for the launch of the iPhone 14, which Apple very kindly confirmed this week. So at least we all know it's on the way. So we'll be talking about that as well today. We want to run through a little preview now that we're just a couple weeks out from the big iPhone launch. Uh, Lewis is going to take us through everything we think we know about the iPhone 14 series, as well as what else Apple might be announcing the same day, and anything we're pretty sure they won't be announcing that you might have your hopes up for. Okay, before that, here are some bits and pieces that have happened this week that have been keeping us busy. Uh, First up, Fitbit came along and launched not one, not two, but three new wearables the Fitbit Sense 2 and Versa 4 so those are updates to its smartwatch line and then the Inspire 3 which is follow-up to uh, probably its most successful kind of mainstream fitness track of the Inspire 2. Uh, Henry you've been covering these what are the highs and lows of this launch these aren't big big updates are they there's nothing radical or groundbreaking in these from what I've seen.
1: No, probably not. I love a Fitbit, but these are pretty incremental uh, on paper, as we like to say. It has actually been two years since the uh, preceding versions of all of these. So basically the Inspire 3, just got a colour screen now, it's £5 cheaper in England. So if you're going to get one of those weights, like £85, it's the most basic one aimed at adults. Uh, no GPS on that one. Versa 4, don't know what they're doing. But it's like exactly the same as the Versa 3, as far as I can tell. (laughs) No new features. It's a thinner, lighter design. It's like the most appley of upgrades. Like (laughs) there's nothing new there, apart from in the software, which also applies to the Sense 2, which I'll touch on in a sec. But you get a more of a tile-based update, which is where it's kind of interesting. That's how you interact with things. And it's a little bit more googly. So the, the Fitbit line, despite being owned by Google... These two smartwatches, Versa 4 and Sense 2, do not yet run Wear OS, but we're seeing the kind of merging of the two because these two watches will get, not at launch, but apparently slightly later, Google Wallet and uh, Google Maps turn-by-turn navigation, so you can kind of see where they're trying to fit stuff in, but... Very hard to tell if there's any clues here in terms of what the the pixel watch will end up being probably quite a different product sense Two, probably the most interesting uh it's like they're basically it's kind of a it's kind of an odd way, way to go the versa four is very focused on fitness and then the sense two is like their stress watch uh More so health stress and fitness in a way <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had some phrase for it like holistic health or something or other <laughs> uh and what they've done with this one won't get into the weeds because i know this is just a new segment but basically On the original sense, it had a metal frame that you put your palm over and it took like an EDA reading, which was like to do with stress levels, which is kind of measuring the temperature in your skin. Now there's also a a further new sensor on the underside of the watch, which takes uh, your continuous skin temperature. Uh, So what it's suggesting is that rather than just do spot checks on how stressed you are, (laughs) it will tell you when you're stressed and then you can log why you're stressed and it can give you tips. Uh, as to how to deal with that, uh, as ever though you have to pay for Fitbit Premium, so these are already quite expensive watches. Two hundred quid for the Versa, and then even more for the the Sense, and then you have to just stump up as well. But yeah, new Fitbits coming. If you're gonna get one, wait until fall because they haven't told us when they're coming out exactly. But it'll be September or October probably. Cool.
0: That does at least fix the obvious problem with the original Sense, which is that you can't find out if you're stressed until you're already stressed <laughs> enough to think I should check <laughs> if I'm stressed. Basically, at which point yeah. the answer is usually apparent <laughs> um yeah. but yeah okay yeah. new fitbits on the way i'm a little disappointed they're not more googly than they are but i wonder if we'll see googliness sort of slowly the, phase into yeah. them i uh, mean the,
1: the pay the pay thing on its own is a big deal for me because i use Fitbits yep. a, a fair bit and my banks in the uk none of them uh Uh, part of Fitbit Pay. So it's really annoying having that NFC there and not being able to do it. So at least Google Wallet helps out. But yeah, you're right. They should probably integrate more, but it's going to be another year or two. I mean, I guess it
0: makes sense. It'll have to be a bit gradual because for better or worse, there is an audience of Fitbit buyers who are used to and like Fitbit software. And if you suddenly say, hey, the upgrade is completely (laughs) different to
1: everything you've ever used or known before...
0: They may stumble I, I, over that.
1: <laughs> I personally wouldn't base my, uh, my my personality around liking Fitbit software. I think I, d- I deal with Fitbit <laughs> software. It's actually quite bad. And they've somehow managed to, to have a huge following by having quite janky software. But I think the idea of them is like, yeah, you know, they, they kind of stay out of the way. Perhaps exactly. you your watch that encourages you to interact with it a bit more now.
0: We'll see. All right, on to phone stuff, because it has been a busy phone week as well. Um, another great entry in the Hall of Fame of terrible, confusing international phone branding decisions.
2: Ooh, Xiaomi
0: has in India launched the Redmi Note 11 SE. This is not in any way the same phone as the Redmi Note 11 SE that launched in China this year. <laughs> it of course is, not. however, identical to the Redmi Note 10S, which launched in India last year. So, it is the same phone in India, again, a year later, with a different name. Same price? Uh, I think the price is similar. I think there was a slight price tweak, and I think there was maybe a tweak to either adding or removing GPS. I can't remember which way round. Or NFC, maybe. It's otherwise, though, identical spec sheets. Absolutely identical. It's Um, kind of what Samsung's
1: done with the Galaxy Watch 4 and 5. Spoilers. Preview there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what else we got? Uh, Sony has finally confirmed what we all thought wasn't happening for a long time and then very suddenly last week thought would be happening, uh, which is the Xperia 5 Mark IV is getting a launch next week, September 1st. Um, that does fall in EFA, though they haven't actually confirmed if this phone will be at EFA or if this is officially an EFA launch. Um, but yeah, sometime next uh, Wednesday or Thursday, the 1st, they will be unveiling the Xperia 5 Mark IV. We don't know exactly what to expect. This phone was leaked a bit, but then everyone thought it was cancelled because it never turned up alongside the Four and the 10.4. Normally, the 5 series is basically the core specs of the One but in a smaller body. So probably that's what we're getting again, but um, we'll have to wait and see because it, this one's come in a slightly funny order and, and we're not entirely sure what is coming. Another phone getting a launch that we knew would be, but again, also very delayed from when we thought, but we are finally going to see the Huawei Mate 50 series. They also <laughs> confirmed the launch for that. This is just a Chinese launch for now, but September 6th, so just after IFA, we are going to see the Mate 50 arrive in China. Uh, We do not know a huge amount about what to expect from this. There's been a lot of talk about having a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Uh, One of the rumors we've seen out there is that the camera will have a variable aperture, which is something Samsung did on the S10 um, on the the 9, sorry, um, but quickly then moved away from. So it's kind of interesting to see another manufacturer come in and bring it back. It makes sense while we may want to go big on the cameras because this will, of course, be its first big phone launch since losing its Leica partnership. So there will not be a Leica logo on the back of this camera. So they probably have to do a little bit of work to convince everyone that they've still got what it takes in the photography department. Um, Obviously, we don't know if this phone will get a global launch. To be honest, actually, Huawei's been pretty committed recently on giving its phones international launches. I mean, even the Mate XS2 foldable, which... Uh, launched in China way earlier this year. Uh, That launched in Germany and Italy this summer, and they've just announced it's coming to the UK in September. So they are rolling out a lot of these devices, at least to some extent internationally. It just takes a long time. So a September launch in China may mean even early next year for the rest of the world, um, and obviously not the US. That will probably still be before the Nothing Phone 1 gets Android 13, though. (laughs) Nothing has confirmed to the consternation of phone one buyers uh, that it is not going to be rolling out the Android thirteen update until the first half of twenty twenty three. it does say it's <laughs> hoping to have a beta ready to go this year. Um, that is honestly not the worst among all phone manufacturers. There are others who will push updates out later than that. But for a company with count it one phone to support <laughs> which has made a big fuss about software support being one of its strengths yes. that that's one of its driving focuses that it's hired loads of software engineers it definitely does feel a bit like a failure on their part um part of the line that pay and the company is taking is that essentially because they have customized their software experience more it will take them more time to tune android 13 to make sure it meets their standards and works with their hardware and things like that realistically the actual answer is they're a very small company. There are much bigger companies out there with more software engineers who can do this stuff faster than them. Uh, but still, I think this will be a big disappointment for a lot of Nothing Phone One owners for whom part of the promise was this kind of pure-ish Android experience, and with that comes some sort of expectation of fast updates, and that does not look likely to be the case, at least this year. Right, let's turn to all things Samsung. Um, we have been putting through its paces basically all of Samsung's gear from Unpacked. So I have been reviewing the Galaxy Z Flip 4 because I would not let anyone else get their hands on it, along with the Galaxy Buds (laughs) 2 Pro. Uh, Lewis has had the Galaxy Z Fold 4 and the Watch 5 Pro, and Henry also managed to get his hands on the regular Watch 5. So we have hot takes raring to go on, on all of these. Um, I think I'm going to get things started with what I hope is not an unfair claim, which is, kind of to repeat what we said two weeks ago, none of these five products are massive leaps forward from what Samsung had lost
2: yet.
1: Is
0: that fair for everyone?
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, I think we're in agreement there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which isn't to say they're all bad, but it is maybe to say that, with the possible exception of the flip, I don't think there'd be any reason for an owner of last year's Gens to upgrade to this year's. And equally, again, with the possible exception of the flip, anyone looking at this year's might want to check if last year's year's models are significantly cheaper, because you may well be just as happy with the year older version, because they are quite close in a lot of cases. Um, Maybe let's start with the flip, because that is the only one where I think this sort of holds, but doesn't quite. Um, I've got my flip 4 here. Um, Obviously showed last time that it's just very, very similar to the Flip 3 in all sorts of ways. The design is near identical. They really haven't tweaked a lot except some changes to the hinge. Um, They didn't change much, but I think the things they changed are smart. And I think because the changes fix some of last year's big pain points, I could see the argument that if you owned a Flip 3 and were getting a bit fed up of it, that would justify making the move. The key one there is battery. The Flip3's battery was not good enough. The Flip4's battery is. It's not an incredible battery, but it is a good battery. Uh, I've been using this for two weeks. Nine times out of 10, when I go to bed, uh, it has about 30 to 40% of its battery left, which is a big change from the Flip3, where I think probably 10% was a more typical number by the time I I got to my bed stand. Uh, It did die on me one time, to be fair, I shouldn't enlarge that. Um, but that was a day where I was going out to Kew Gardens, which is a big botanic garden in London. So I was out of the house all day. I was on 5G all day. I had two very long journeys, an hour there and two hours back because of a train strike, where I was sitting <laughs> on Twitter scrolling the whole time with the screen on. And obviously a day of going around taking photos and filming video and things like that. So pretty demanding use case. And I'm not too surprised that in that case, by about 9pm, the phone was on 2%. And and I got home just in time to charge it. But other than that, it has been absolutely fine and lasting the full day. Um, and I could certainly so- see, this is the one case where I think you might want the upgrade. Because if you're someone who has to flip three and you're fed up that you have to charge it every day like before the end of the day, this does yeah. fix that pain point, And that is a big pain point. And yeah, that I- might I- seem worth the jump.
1: Yeah, I reviewed the Flip 3 when I was over in New Zealand, and also I was, my, one of my best friends over here bought it as well, and we both were talking about it the other day, and he said, and, I, and then it reminded me that I also had to do this when I had it for review, was um, it was just on battery saver mode the whole time, because right. I had battery anxiety, and he says he just keeps it on it permanently, and I was like, that's so annoying for, for you wanting to do yeah. that, so you don't have you didn't have to do that with this one. I
0: didn't put battery saver on at all, except again that one day where I, you know, it began to run very perilously close towards the end. But that was a pretty extreme use case. Yeah. Normal day of usage, and that included days where I was at home working all day, days where I was at home half the day, and then going out to, you know, going out and seeing friends, going out to the gym, all sort of stuff like that. Bit of photography. Um, never put battery saver on on those kind of typical days. Uh, found I was getting four plus hours of screen on time before it would die. Things like that. So. Again, I wouldn't say this is one of the best battery lives you'll find in any phone. At the end of the day, it's still a 3700 milliampere battery. That's relatively small. And, you know, there are other phones out there that are comfortably lasting a day and a half and stretching to two. And that this definitely isn't that. Um, If you really wanted to push it, I think I managed to stretch it till about 11 a.m. the next day when I I went without charging it at all to see just how far it would go. Because I went to bed on about 30 or 40. It was on about 20% when I woke up mm-hmm. and that lasted me another couple of hours, but then it did need that charge. So this isn't incredible, um, but it is better. Charging is faster as well it's 25 watts rather than 15 watts, which is still slow by you know industry standards, but does yeah. help because it was the other problem with the three that even when it did run low, you'd plug it in and it would still charge up painfully slowly to restore those little scraps you needed. It's at least a bit better there now. Um, and you still have the wireless charging. So that helps a lot. I think that pain point is gone. Uh, camera's a lot better. The, the um, ultra wide is, is functionally unchanged. The main camera is much better. Again, going around Kew Gardens, Botanic Garden, I was really happy with some of the photos I took. I didn't spend the day thinking, I wish i brought a phone with a better camera with me, which is, again is how I did feel at times with the three. I'd go out or go on holiday and feel like, oh, these photos are fine, but I, I wish I had a you know, a proper photography flagship with me. I didn't have that feeling here. And that's even down to when I've had some night mode photos. It's not the best night mode around, but again, it's good enough. I took low light photos and cityscape photos at night and things like that and was very happy with how they came out. Good enough for Instagram. If you're really going to go kind of pixel peeping and zoom in, you're going to find flaws. It's not up there with the, the 514 Pro Max or the Vivo X80 Pro or stuff like that. And it doesn't have the telephoto um so it doesn't have the periscope so there are limits to this camera setup but i think the main camera is good now and i think that will cover most people this isn't a phone you're going to buy for the camera but it's now no longer a phone you're going to avoid because of the camera um (laughs) it helps it does have that little trick with um you can take selfies with the main camera as well so they can get away with the fact that the selfie camera is fine but not special because there's lots of software tricks to let you take photos with the main camera while facing you and they have actually improved how you can use the cover display to do that so you can now preview in the proper aspect ratio and use portrait mode with the phone closed uh, which makes it way better for selfies than it was before and again that's being driven then by the main camera or the ultra wide if you want
1: I think you said iPhone 14 Pro Max there. I just like to confirm we do not have that phone yet. That's right, yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have Got not. Got Apple's <laughs> event on the brain. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good to know about the cameras, though. I mean, um, do you want to keep going with that? Or can I ask Lewis about the cameras on the Fold? Because they've had a bit of an upgrade, haven't they? They have indeed.
0: Yeah, shoot on the Fold. I mean, I think the Fold will definitely still outpace the flip in the photography
2: department, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I think the cameras are probably the biggest change on, on the Fold 4 this year mm. um, because last year you had this trio of 12 meg cameras which was like you say fine but nothing to write home about this year they have swapped out two of them for the same cameras in the Galaxy S22 and the S22 plus so that's a 50 meg um, main and then you've also got a 10 megapixel um, telephoto lens with a three time zoom which goes up to 30 times with the space zoom thing oh yeah Samsung loves to do um and yeah i think my experience is pretty much similar to dom um i'm really happy with the pictures in most conditions like i'm it's it's not something that i was really expecting um but yeah especially in the low light and stuff like that like it just seems like there's there's, there's big improvements year on year and it does feel like it's more of a, pre, a premium kind of device because i think you know but the price that Samsung is, is selling these phones for, I think they do. You do need to eke out every little bit of performance you you can in every area. And I think last year the cameras were kind of lacking
1: in and that then, space. And then the other thing that was lacking on the on the Fold Three was the under display camera, which did yes. like a strange sort of you know manufacturing flaw. Uh, it's mm-hmm. still hidden on this one? Is it better?
2: It's still hidden. It's uh, uh, they say it's better. Hidden <laughs> inverted <laughs> yeah. commas. Yeah, pixelated. yeah. Say, they, they say that it's it's better. You know, it's it's more hidden on the display but in a briefing uh they, were, they said to me and dom can you see the the camera and we were like yes yes <laughs> it's, it's there <laughs> i'm looking right
0: at it it's very obvious uh, i i didn't actually put either the two folds side by side to compare but yeah when we saw that with briefing no. I, I couldn't from my memory of the fold there was no obvious improvement in how hidden that no. camera is it's right um, very obvious i mean
2: i, I think they, they say yes yeah, so they said they've increased the resolution of the covering display so it's a little bit easier to kind of disappear uh, I mean, in some patterns it is. It's fine, but if you're if you got it on a white background, there's no chance of hiding that. Yeah. Um. The camera quality has been slightly improved, though I wouldn't go as far as to say that it's good or even passable for most situations. It, the only reason it's there is for video calls, so you can take video yeah. calls on that big old internal display, uh, because you can use the, you know, the rear cameras as a selfie camera, and you can also use a standard, uh, I think it's a 10 meg on the front. Yeah. On the Cover I think the cover, well. the
0: cover one might be the same as the flips because that's also a ten meg. I think I suspect yeah. they're probably the exact same selfie camera. Yeah, I mean, to Samsung's, in fairness to Samsung, certainly out our briefing, their line was the under display cameras for video calls. There was yeah, even when we tried to take a selfie photo with it to see how it turned out, they they <laughs> wouldn't kind have of been like, oh, it's not really for that. It's it's for video calls, video calls,
2: video um, calls
0: only. So I think they recognise it's not good for selfies, but they don't expect. That's a natural use case for it, and it isn't. You know, no. when you've got the other uh, no. cameras all over the phone, and so why put a really good one there? Did you try video call
2: with it to see if it's good enough for that? No, because I have no friends on Google Meet or anything like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's one of very few apps that are actually optimized for that internal display. Right. Yeah. Um, because that's probably that's probably the other thing about the fold four is that it boasting you know improved support for third party apps um, to take. Better advantage of that big old display, and, and when it folds in particular, so you can have it in like a laptop form factor, and things will shift to the kind of top half of the display. Uh, Google Meet is one of those, um, and then you've kind of got things like uh, Facebook and Messenger and WhatsApp. They all kind of offer support now, which is really good to see. Um, but yeah, wider support is still a little bit hit and miss. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, foldable s- form factor.
0: I saw a piece earlier today that, I'm struggling right now to find and see if I can put out the quotes. Um, piece just earlier that, that someone from Oppo had basically said they're waiting for software support to get better before they'll release their folders internationally, and that's why they that haven't had sense. a global release because they just look at that third party support for the big screen. part of that will be on OpPO and I'm sure they're working on that, but there is a side mm-hmm. that has to come from devs for for other apps um and probably from Google itself and yeah Oppo's yeah. line seemed to be
2: it's not good enough yet. And and so we don't want to, we don't want to push that. I I mean, I get it because I think the hardware is, is pretty much, you know, it's up there. It's a really nice hardware experience, but yeah, it's that software that isn't quite there. You know, you expect the complete experience you expect every app to take advantage of that big old. How much are
0: you just talking about Instagram here? (laughs) (laughs) Be honest. Uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm using just... the Huawei Mate XS2 at the moment, and oh, Instagram is all. And you look worst. and you think, this big square screen for an app that's all yep. about big square photos, this is going to yep. be perfect. It's terrible.
2: It's the worst, and I don't understand it. And the more annoying thing is that they're all owned by Meta, and Meta has committed to Samsung at least. They're like, yeah, we're going to make our apps work. Yep. With knowledge, you know, <laughs> with the exception of Instagram, of course. <laughs>
1: Well, they've been spending weeks trying to turn Instagram into a scrollable rectangle video app. They're now about to take <laughs> loads of devs uh, off to make it square for the Fold. Um, when I, so when I used the, the Fold 3 um, for quite a while, uh, I found that, like you're saying, Lewis, like I was only opening apps full screen and then they sometimes looked a bit janky. But that's what, how I wanted yeah. to use the internal screen. I don't really get why Samsung is still going on about the multitasking thing because um, I personally yeah. didn't find it that great. I mean, like maybe putting two side by side, but because of the aspect ratio, you then you're kind of struggling to do two things at once. And maybe it's good for like, I don't know, if you've got a video call and you want to like look at some notes or something. But then some of yeah. those demos they show where they've got like one down the side and then two there and then like a pop-up window. Nobody's doing that. It looks like it looks like pop-ups on a website. Um, do, do you think that multitasking is where foldables are going to go? Or do you think that is what you're saying and they're only going to be adopted and, and
2: used when full screen apps look good yeah i think full screen is definitely the way forward for most people there's going to be a niche audience where they're going to want split screen apps run side by side for whatever if it's work or a specific purpose but i think for most people like it's the same thing with, with multitasking on the ipad it's had like yeah. multitasking for years do you ever see anyone running two out side by side and that's got a bigger better aspect ratio not somebody who's not a on. tech journalist yeah no, exactly. Yeah, um, people do want
1: to run two apps side by side. They can just save a thousand pounds and buy a Surface Duo two, so it's fine.
2: <laughs> but yeah, there's, um, there's. I think that is the big thing with the big screen foldable is just the software side of it. Mm. The hardware's a lot of fun. Um, not really a lot of change from last year. It's slightly shorter and slightly uh, narrower. So, um, uh, sorry, wider. So it's a slightly better aspect ratio, but in reality, it's like three millimeters each.
0: Yeah, I mean, so. you, you, when when I first saw that aspect ratio, and I think a lot of other people said it, it looked like them leaning a bit towards the direction I went with the Find N. Um, yeah. Lewis, I know you reviewed and loved the Find N. Did, did did this yeah. feel close to that experience in terms of the aspect ratio? No.
2: no because i think um with with the uh, Find den it was literally a standard uh, like a standard display like it ran everything absolutely perfectly so that in my mind is a good cover display because it does everything that you Mm. need it to do Mm. and it's in a fine aspect ratio the problem is with the fold four it's just still too tall and too narrow i think it's Mm. not too bad if you're just browsing you know if you're just scrolling through instagram or tiktok whatever that's fine but as soon as it comes to replying to like messages and whatsapps and stuff like that that keyboard is just squished right down and it's just yeah. awkward to reply to. Um, and that kind of defeats the object of having like a, a quick access display if you can't really use it to reply to people. And how do you feel and about... It also, sorry, go on. I was saying also it means that it, um, Oppo has the upper edge of... Because their folded dimensions are kind of more, more kind of rectangular than kind of narrow and horrible. The internal aspect ratio is a little bit nicer as well. Yeah. Uh, Samsung. Yeah. Similar.
1: The thing I was going to ask both of you actually, because it applies to both... Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it applies more to the fold because of the outside screen. But again, four generations in now, I thought when I looked at the previous ones, I was like, oh, well, it doesn't com- close completely flat. You still got that wedge shape. They'll fix yeah. that. But They don't seem yeah. to be trying to do that. Do, does that surprise no. you? Go on, Dom. I,
2: thought I thought you had am
0: sure they will do it. I'm mm. not surprised they haven't done it yet, because I think their focus has been as much as they talk about the hinge being hinges being redesigned a little bit here, I think they're tinkering with the hinges and they don't want to completely tear up what they've done. I think the reason they can get away with it is because no one else is selling foldables globally. And so the thing is, when you use one of these, it doesn't bother you that Mm. the hinge doesn't close completely. It doesn't feel like a problem. It feels pretty sturdy. It looks fine. And you just go, yeah, that's cool. It's only when you use Oppos or when you use Huawei's yeah. and you feel what it the extra sort of solidity that you get from it closing completely, that you realize what's missing. On, you know, I was perfectly happy with the Flip3's hinge <laughs> until I tried the P50 Pocket and then went back to the Flip3 like, ugh, how, come on, this hinge, what? Uh, <laughs> And the, the, the benefit Samsung has is that none of its consumers have had that experience. None of them have tried the True. Huawei phone. None of them have tried the Oppo or the Xiaomi. True. So they don't know what else is out there. And as long as that's the case, I think it'll get away with it. Because until you've tried that, you kind of go, yeah, this is fine. This hinge feels really solid and it closes most of the way. You know, it doesn't feel
1: like a problem. At least that's my perspective on it. I take your point. That is a good point. But then I would counter that with the other side of the hinge, which is the crease. And I would say that when I've shown foldables to people and when I talk to people about them, one of the main things they say is like, I'm not I'm buying that. It's got a huge ridge in the middle. And, like, yep. you know, yeah. But uh, again, are they getting away with that with the people who are buying them because they don't know that there's other ones out there that, that don't have that?
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing I'd just say quickly on that is there's, in a way, those are two separate sides of the hinge engineering problem. You know, like the solution to making it close flat is different to the solution to not having a crease. Yeah. And other companies have done both, to be clear. But, you know, that they, they don't necessarily go hand in hand. This, I agree, this is what they'll focus on more. And that's why when they talked about the hinge this year, they talked about the fact that the crease was reduced. And it's still there, but it's very obvious that's where Samsung sees it needs to make up ground. Mm -hmm. And I I, I have had the exact same experience that that's what people notice. No one has ever said to me, oh, it doesn't close all the way. What they've said is, I can still feel the crease quite a lot. And that's clearly what bothers the average person when they make this decision about, do I want one of these or not? They arm and are Minar over over the crease, and so the fifth gen next year. If Samsung, if those are creaseless, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But it equally wouldn't surprise me if they're creaseless but still don't quite close all the way. You know, yeah, I think that would be, be the priority. The
1: yeah,
2: got it. Good. Cool. Well, I, um, I, I won one. So <laughs> <It still laughs> I <was works>. like, <laughs> just just quickly, um, on the battery front, I would say that the battery is actually quite good this year. Mm. Um, so it hasn't changed really at all since uh, last year so it's the same 4400 milliamp hours but i think there's just improved power efficiency from that, the uh, Snapdragon that eight plus, plus gen one, one. magic oh that what magic what um and it means yeah i was flipping between but the external and the internal displays comfortably all day and i just did not worry about my battery once you know i'm taking pictures of you know texting on on tiktok and stuff like that and i just did not have an issue i mean i will throw in the caveat i wasn't really gaming because the aspect ratio does not lend itself to gaming in the slightest um But generally speaking, yeah, I was finding that I was kind of going to bed with like 40%, 30% battery and there wasn't one day where it actually died uh, during my testing. So I'm just like, you know what, considering there is a big old display in there, it's not bad. Hmm.
0: I do wonder how much they're going to need that power efficiency because that will be the other thing they want to look at improving with the Xiaomi in the mix now. The (laughs) Xiaomi Mix Fold 2 is much thinner than the samsung yes and if they want to get it thinner they're gonna to have to put a smaller battery in some level or something else has to give so i do wonder if we'll see a little shift shift that way um you know because i've also seen a couple of people call the z flip a little chunky and i kind of get that i don't i don't it doesn't bother me but certainly when it's closed it is it is a little thick and again that's a battery thing if they the only real fix to that is to put less that's a smaller a, cell a inside
2: Bigger battery means fatter body. In yep. <laughs> this is a, another example of that. But we'll get onto that in a little while. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so I mean, so headline headline for me on the Flip is if you own a Flip 3, this isn't worth it unless the battery is really bothering you in your Flip 3. And I know Samsung's trade-in offers, especially in the US, have been very, very aggressive. So you might be able very to get good. this surprisingly yeah. cheap if you are considering it. Um, what I'd say this is more is the Flip 4 is... It's not going to win over anyone who's an outright foldable sceptic. And, you know, I'll say Samsung hasn't really said anything about improving durability. It's got the same water resistance as before. Uh, Both phones have Gorilla Glass Victus Plus rather than Victus. Um, And Samsung boasts about things like how many folds it can survive, which I think is 200,000 folds and unfolds, which sounds great. And that's in theory about five years of use. Um, But I double checked and it's the exact same figure they gave for the flip three and fold three and as i've said before anecdotally <clears throat> i know people whose flip screens have cracked within a year so i don't particularly trust they've fixed that side of it and i think there's definitely a gamble there so if you're the kind of person who's a big skeptic about foldables nothing this year is going to win you over if you were someone who was really on the fence last year and you were kind of almost ready to go for a flip three but you heard about the bad battery or the low average camera and you just weren't willing to go for it i think this time there's enough there to take those few people who who are kind of wavering on the edge and say, "Look, we fixed the the big problems. Like you can go for mm-hmm. it now. There's no big reason not to buy this anymore." Um it How do you feel out like the fold for? Who's the who's the buy? So for,
2: for me, I think the fold for. Well, Samsung would like the fold for to be a businessman's phone. You know, this is the kind of who they they envision using it is the, the, these very big, and important businessmen who run apps side by side and always in video chats and all that fun stuff. But for me, I think it's still very much a tech enthusiast phone because mm. of the um, software. Like everyday people aren't going to be into running their apps in different aspect ratios to see what one runs best. They're going to open up and be like, this looks shit. It doesn't work, you know? It's, and they're just gonna, not going to be interested in it from that point. And I think um, generally speaking, like, like Oppo was saying, like, there needs to be better support generally before I think the big screen foldable form factor does take off as well as kind. Because of, I think there's a lot of potential there. I still mm. love big screen you know folding out into a bigger screen i love that experience it's just there isn't enough there to take advantage of that experience and it's Um, it's worth saying
0: on the the software um, obviously samsung's been doing its own work to tidy things up this also runs i don't think we said this runs android 12l which we've talked about the show before but that is you know the google optimized version of android for tablets and, and big screens that only launched this year and this is the first device to officially ship ship running it that hasn't solved all the problems. And it does feel like the big missing piece is still third-party devs. And some have put in support, others haven't. And it's that cop for the horse thing or sort of chicken and egg scenario. Yeah, The dev won't build in support until there are more users, but there won't be more buyers and more companies pushing out products until the devs do more app support. And I don't know which is going to give first, no. but something's going to have to fault, for, for example, Instagram <laughs> to feel like there's enough pressure that it has to do yes. this
2: and, exactly. and fix things. So again, um, my line is once Instagram gets a full screen app, all yeah, the yeah. are there. <laughs> just wait for Instagram. <laughs> uh, okay, let's turn
0: to the watches then. Um, so, you guys have each had a Galaxy Watch 5, Henry, and a pro model, Lewis. I guess let's start with the f- regular 5, and I'm sure Lewis will kind of have some thoughts on that as the software will be the same experience and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start with I think what is the obvious question is just. How much has changed from from last year? Because I, I think the answer is not very much.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll do that, and then and I'll give you a little preview of my review, which is uh, probably going up tomorrow. But it's the way that I framed it anyway, so the Watch Five is really, really similar to the Watch Four. That is also true, debatably, uh, of you know the last three Apple Watch generations. So it's not just a oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's not just a criticism levelled at Samsung, but it is. Very difficult to tell the difference uh, between the two at first glance. There are some very minor design changes. Um, it's a very nice watch though. So the, the good thing is that if you're in the market for a Samsung watch and you liked what the, the four look like, you are getting a, a new one here, but it, it has the same processor as last year. Um, the batteries are slightly increased. I don't know, spo- <laughs> I'll do a little preview. The battery life is not very good. I have the <laughs> 40 millimeter watch, which is the smallest one. So I can't speak to the 44, which we haven't reviewed. Uh, but it has a considerably bigger battery. Samsung says you can get 40 hours out of this watch. But I reckon you could get 40 hours out of this watch if you took it off the charger, turned off the screen and then didn't wear it all day. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> as soon as you turn on, because you, you kind of have the, Fiddle about with it a little bit out of the box. As soon as you turn on the always-on display, I mean, it also now runs Google Assistant, and you can make that your um, primary ahead of Bixby, which is great. You couldn't do that before, as far as I know. But if you put on the, you know, hey, Google um, listening thing, things like that, um, if you use Spotify as a remote control, like all these um, third-party apps, basically, where Samsung is trying to play catch-up, well, kind of to no one (laughs) in the Android space because (laughs) third-party apps and Wear OS are generally not very good anyway. Uh, But it just drains the battery down. And it's very erratic as well. Like some days I would take it off the charger at about 7, which is normally when I get up. And then by 3 p.m., one day it was on 80%. And I'd been on a run that day with GPS. And I was like, this is amazing. Um, Right now, anecdotally, I'm on 56. I haven't been on a run today. And I haven't really done anything with the watch. And it's just I couldn't always trust it to last the entire day. And particularly if you want to use the sleep tracking function, you're going to have to put it on the charger uh, before you go to bed and again this is true mm-hmm. of lots of um of watches but, but the way so that my main that is my main criticism that, that the battery just doesn't seem to have improved um and it's still not a watch that you could like conceivably wear for two days which you kind of could do on uh like an apple watch series 7 if you were being gentle yeah. with gentle with it um but the, the way that i kind of and again it's unfair on samsung sorry then i'll pass over to you lewis to see if you agree but the thing about Apple, it, unfortunately, it kind of gets a free pass by the fact you can only use it with iPhones because mm-hmm. of the dichotomy we have where you have uh, iOS and Android. So it's just like Apple Watch, fine, that's your, that's your wearable. But then with, with Android uh, or compatible with Android watches, like Fitbit, for instance, um, that just works across every uh, Android phone as long as it's compatible, you know, you get the same features. With the Watch 5, you're quite restricted uh, unless you have a Samsung phone. So two of the things that you're paying for on the Watch 5 and the Pro are the blood pressure sensor and the uh, ECG, the electrocardiogram, which can monitor for AFib, your regular heart notifications and everything like that. Only in countries, obviously, where that's been approved by your local health authority. But I set this up with a Google Pixel 6a originally, and uh, you can't use either of those things because as well as having the Galaxy Wear app, and Samsung Health, which I already had to install, and a Galaxy Watch 5 specific plugin, which I yeah. think is actually very user-hostile. Um, so I kind of know what I'm doing, but I don't think everyone would be able to set those up without knowing what's going on. You also have to install, which prompts you on the watch when you try and use blood pressure or ECG, the Samsung uh, Health Monitor app. But That's only available by the Galaxy App Store, which you can't download on a non-Samsung phone. So immediately you just can't use those two things. Yeah. Um, did you find any other things, Lewis, That were that were sam that was. I, mean, I know you used it with a Samsung phone, so maybe I, I've yeah I've, I've had more of this experience. But it's, um, it's kind of unfair to like say to Samsung, like you know, Colleague, you you shouldn't because you know Apple gets to do it. So you're like, why can't Samsung do it? But they are playing in the Android space here. Like this is yeah, meant to be exactly. like a default Android watch, particularly since they're now doing. Uh, and running Wear OS. It's got a One UI skin, but this is Wear OS. And the fact that Samsung is still holding a few things back, and I would say not openly advertising that either. um, Oh, yeah, no. I found that quite disappointing.
2: Yeah, Um, I think I've noticed a couple of other bits just through research and stuff like that. Um, So it's kind of small things like you won't be able to control smart things, accessories from your watch um, because that needs a Samsung phone. Yep. The one I thought was quite weird is that you can't use a remote shutter for your camera, which I thought was basically just, just like a volume input. That could be hmm. done on anything, um, but yeah, you can't do that on a on a Galaxy Watch either. And Samsung's fun, emoji ripoff watch faces—they um, are also exclusive to Samsungs because you need a Samsung to make one. There you go. Uh, so those i haven't made one. Any... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make one, and I had a Samsung. <laughs> but um, those are arguably aren't quite as big a deal as kind of the um, the blood pressure and the ECG. Though. Those are two features that Samsung does kind of tout as being like key features of the watch. So. So, yeah, to tie them to Samsung devices is really annoying. And I really hate the fact that there are so many apps. Like, it's just so... Even on a Samsung, you've got, like, three or four apps that you have to go between for the different functions. And I just hate yeah. that. So very the mess of apps answered. is
0: really egregious. There's no good reason for that. Especially because if no. you're someone who also already uses, say, Google Fit or something else, and you actually want to just end up all of that syncing into yet another app anyway, because you don't even want to use yeah. the, any of the three Samsung apps you have to install. <laughs> um, it's
1: not ideal. The other thing uh, before I, uh, there are good things about this watch, don't get me wrong. Um, It's very (laughs) well designed. uh, The screen is really good. The strap is very well fitting, at least on the small one. Uh, There's Mm. like hardly any gaps and it's like quite well designed around the strap there, which uses standard strap sizes as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the, the thing that's frustrating, and I'm sure Lewis can opine on this as well, is that neither of these watches have the rotating bezel anymore so samsung used to be based on tizen and you know back even back in like 2015 you know the gear s2 you yep. had the the bezel and the great thing about that was it's tactile it felt like yep. a, it felt like a real watch and you didn't have to cover the screen at all but now that you have,
2: is a big thing yeah but now is you have covering like, the screen
1: and again this was true of the the watch four as well but you have like a just a strip and because it's that the os is based on a black background it kind of looks cool because you can't really see it but i found it so unresponsive and you have to you have to go really slowly and then suddenly all the tiles that are sort of part of the circular os suddenly like go and like flick all the way through and you, you it's not precise at all so i just didn't yeah. use it you can actually turn it off um i haven't done that but i just took to swiping on the screen anyway which then made me think you don't even yeah. need that bezel i just think it's I, not i was well the same with the
0: four last year i i I never after the sort of first couple of days of forcing myself to to the for the review i never used the uh the sort of artificial bezel around the edges Mm. where navigating just felt far quicker
2: and more natural and more accurate to just Just swipe swipe. which defeats the point so that i will say that it's slightly better on the pro one because it has raised bezels on the outside of the display so it kind of has like a finger guide even though you've got nothing that's moving that you've kind of Mm. got somewhere for your your thumb to follow around the edge and it Mm. does feel a little bit more natural but like you say the big issue is that my thumb now covers the display where it never used to because you could adjust it from the outside so that kind of defeats the purpose because I'm as I'm scrolling through I can't see the tiles that I'm browsing through so it just seems a bit pointless now um and yeah I, I used to love the rotating bezel like it was just a fidget thing for me morning I would just sit there and just twist it while I was just kind of daydreaming and to not have that now is really sad um Samsung probably knows that there's gonna be a lot of people disappointed by that because they are keeping the watch 4 classic on sale with the rotating bezel for a little bit longer so if you do need one that's your only option now essentially I Um, I do want to quickly pick up on something you were talking about battery life earlier, because obviously, yeah, the battery life on the standard Galaxy Watch 5 does sound pretty bad, I can't lie. Um, This is actually quite good. Uh, So this has a 590 milliamp hour battery in it, which is apparently the biggest that Samsung's put in any wearables so far. Yeah, this one's Um, like 290, it's quite small. Yeah, it's like half, (laughs) not even that um so yeah samsung says i'll get you up to 80 hours of continuous use uh so that's just over three days um i didn't hit the three day mark during testing um but after i kind of so for the first day i just turned everything on i was like well this battery's great it can just handle everything i'll just turn it always on display and i'll have stress tracking on all the time and blood oxygen and you know everything that could be tracked i was like yeah give it a go lasted about a day max um and then it gave up the ghost but Once I kind of started playing around a little bit, you know, I disabled things like stress tracking, things you don't really care too much about. I kept heart rate tracking on, blood oxygen tracking, sleep tracking was all fine and that kind of stuff. That was all there and I disabled the always on display and I got to about two and a half days on average with a workout in between, which is fairly good. Um, And the faster charging means it will go from flat to full in about 90 minutes. So I think that's about 30 minutes quicker than the Galaxy Watch 4 series. So it's slightly improved in that department at least.
0: One, one thing I can add on the battery is I just went and checked my, my review of the Galaxy Watch 4 from last year, the regular model. And it turns out, I, I can't remember, I reviewed the 44mm model last year, the larger one. And the battery capacities have changed between last year and this year, and it is obviously a different device technically. But um I basically found that the Watch 4... I, I, I was thinking because I couldn't remember having battery problems. I was like, maybe I had the bigger one. And yeah, I found the, the larger Watch 4 was a two-day device and then a one-day device if I turned on the always-on display. But even with that, it was a 24-hour device. It did the night of sleep tracking pretty comfortably, even with always-on display and stuff like that. So extrapolating that to this year, it does sound a bit like if you really want to use sleep tracking and want that full day, then the bigger Watch 5 or the Pro will cover it, and maybe it's just the problem with the the smallest model, the 40mm model, just Mm -hmm. doesn't have a big enough cell to handle.
2: So can I talk a little bit about the build of this little bit of tech. Yeah, so I mean, that's um, one of the big things that differentiates the the Pro from the regular 5, right? Yeah, so uh, it's got, a, obviously it's got a slightly different design to the standard Galaxy Watch 5. It's got a titanium case on the sides. So that's a lot better than the Samsung Armour aluminium that comes with the Galaxy Watch 5. It should be a little bit more durable. Uh, but I think the key thing is the display. Uh, that raised bezel actually does stop it from getting you know kind of scratches and knocks as you're walking along you catch your watch on things, which is not something that Samsung planned. I did ask them when I, at the launch event. They were like, yeah, no, that's not what it's for, but it's a very good point. Um, <laughs> uh, but the display is now covered in sapphire crystal. Um, so that is 90% stronger than the Galaxy Watch 4 display. Uh, and that's even stronger than the Galaxy Watch 5, which is 60% improvement. So yeah, this is the strongest display out of the bunch. I didn't go around trying to smash it up on purpose, but at the launch event, there was a station where you could take a, a, like a stainless steel sharp pointer and just go at the display, and there was no marks on that display whatsoever. So of all the kind of glass protection that I've seen on a watch, I think this gives me the most confidence that it will stay relatively mark-free, um, which is quite nice. And there's also a new buckle designed exclusive to the pro model, so this is the D-buckle. Um, it's kind of more classic. Uh, It's got like a natural clasp to it as you can see and it snaps into place with a magnet It does it gets rid of that kind of extra strap that you have on the outside and there's no buttons to fiddle around with The initial setup's a bit annoying because you have to thread The length of the strap through to the exact part lock it in put it on your wrist and see if that fits But once you've got it down It's so much easier to take on and put off because you're not fiddling around with buttons and counting How far in you have to take it before you thread it inside and all that kind of stuff Um, So I really like the debuckle the problem is I think the watch as a whole is just a little bit too big for some people. Uh, It's available exclusively in 45 millimeters, which is a a fairly thick boy. And including the sensors at the bottom, it's 15 millimeters thick. Uh, and that is noticeable on the wrist. Like it's, you know, I, I have fairly big wrists, Um, but this, even for me, I was like, wow, that doesn't quite feel right. Mm -hmm. And the angle of the lugs and the way they connect to the strap also means there's a gap on either side of the watch uh, when it connects to your wrist so it's not quite as flush as some that I've seen either and I think that is just because it's just slightly too big for most people's wrists yeah it's a, it's an interesting one it's definitely more durable it's, it's designed for the outdoors it's got a few kind of outdoor fe- uh, exercise specific features like a uh, track back when you're on a hike it will take you back to where you started and it's also got turn by turn navigation where you can import custom routes and it will take you on those um, but really It's the durability and it's the extra battery life that you're getting from this.
0: Mm. Do you have a sense, Lewis, I know uh, you're not a committed long distance runner, um, so you're maybe not the best person to ask, but do you (laughs) have a sense of whether this has enough to compete with the kind of the Garmin's
2: and the Polar's, which is clearly where Samsung's trying to go here? I think there's a lot, you know, I, I think you get a lot of interesting, um, stats and stuff recorded that you can kind of dive into on the companion app on your phone afterwards. Um, and I think general GPS performance is fine. Like I didn't have, notice any issue with GPS and I'm kind of, you know, I'm in a built up area with trees on the streets and fairly tall buildings and the GPS will connect within, you know, 10 seconds of me initiating on a, on a run. Uh, I think the only place where it doesn't really compete with Garmin is just the lack of buttons. I think they do rely on swipe gestures and stuff like that quite a lot and if you know it's fine in the summer but if it's pouring down with rain or you're sweating and it's just you know that will mess with the touch input and in those times you just want a button to be like stop start go and yeah. that's what the garments have and that's not really what's here. Yeah the other thing is battery life as well like
1: I do not run marathons, but no, people yeah. do, and they generally stay away from even something like an Apple Watch if they're going a longer distance than a marathon, like triathlon. The Apple Watch battery would just not last. So no, I can't um, imagine. So yeah, you kind of need something that's sort of oddly like le- like less advanced,
2: <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. the battery something just is much just better. focused on that? Yeah, I mean sometimes I'll say it lasts up to is, yeah. um, twenty hours with GPS on and kind of tracking. So fairly decent but i i'm not going on a 20 oh, hour that would be cool <laughs> that was true <laughs> you didn't do a 20 hour run for the review list. i and know I'm imagine that <laughs>
0: inadequate testing um <laughs> all right let, maybe let's talk about the buds very quickly and then then let's move on move on to all things apple um so yeah i've been testing out the buds 2 pro um i for context i think i've now used every pair of galaxy buds except the first one um that? I've used the Plus, the Live, the 2, the Pro, and now the 2 Pro. So I I feel fairly confident that I know this line um, pretty well. So with that, these are the set the price aside for a second and these are the best Galaxy Buds they've made yet. You know, if you ignore how much they cost, these are the best sounding, the best looking, the most comfortable, the most fully featured. Um, Once you factor in the price and the kind of gap there is between them and the other models, though, I don't think most people should buy these. Part of the problem is actually not Samsung's, well, it is Samsung's fault, but it's not the Buds 2 Pro's fault. It's that the Buds 2 are very good, and that the way the market, the Bud market has moved, is that very quickly over the last couple of years, we've reached a point where even for 100 quid or $100, you can get ANC, you can get wireless charging, you can get really good sound quality, you can get a comfortable fit. So most people, I mean, and I don't know, if, you know, it's always a funny thing with headphones because actually most people will spend 15 pounds on headphones or 15, you know, yeah. 20 bucks. But even the people willing to spend like a bit more than that will probably hit this point where they say, well, 100 bucks gets me everything I could want from a pair of headphones. And I think there's a very niche audience that will really feel a need to go beyond what the Buds 2 offer. I've uh, it's the Buds 2 are about 150 or, like RRP, but if you actually look to try and buy them now, they're 100. So... And these uh, Buds 2 Pro are 230 240 So it's more than double the actual price you'll be looking at if you go on Amazon right now, what you get for that is slightly better sound quality. These do sound really, really great. I think the Buds 2 sound very good. So again, it's that kind of uh, a certain level of audiophilia. You may be able to justify the that improvement for the default sound quality. Um, they are a better fit and lighter and smaller than lot the previous buds pro but they're actually about the same as the buds 2 what they've managed to do is kind of get close to what the buds 2 offer while still offering more impressive features um, that's good i found the buds pro the original ones didn't quite fit me right these these are a much more comfortable fit they they're a bit lighter they're a very natural. fit so they're sort of as good as the buds 2 on that level and a lot of other competing earbuds at the same price um The big thing you're basically paying for, or really the big thing you're paying for, is 24-bit. And you, the (laughs) listener or viewer, probably know if you A, understand what (laughs) 24-bit audio means, and B, if you care about having it. Um, Most people either won't know what it means, or even if you told them, would not care. Not least because if you pay for your music through Spotify, you can't get it anyway. Uh, you know wow. the hoops you've got to jump through here to get 24-bit support are a you've got to have 24-bit audio source material so that could mean buying sort of you know buying lossless files or it means you're subscribing to uh, one of the premium tiers of tidal or cobuzz or the premium version of amazon music i can't remember what exactly they name it uh, or apple music so there are streaming services that have it but they don't all have it not all the music in their libraries is 24-bit and obviously the big giant Spotify doesn't support it at all right now you also kind of as we were talking about earlier you need a Samsung phone to play it through um so the 24-bit won't work unless you're also a Samsung phone owner you've got to have a Galaxy phone with one UI 4 or later so that's most of the kind of recent ones um so probably anyone looking at dropping 250 quid on Samsung earbuds is in the space of maybe owning yeah. a recent Samsung phone anyway, or a near flagship one. So that might not be a big deal breaker for a lot of people. But yeah, you do need a re- relatively recent, relatively high-end Samsung phone to make it work, and you need to subscribe to the music access. Um, I'm not, I'm enough of an audio file to, to care about the headphones I use and review that. I'm not enough that I subscribe to a high-res audio service or anything like that. I was a little bit skeptical going in that I would be able to tell a big difference, especially having it all driven through, you know pretty small drivers in t- inside these buds. This isn't going through a big hi-fi system. There is a difference and going back and forth between high res and, and and regular and kind of darting dot- between a high res platform and Spotify for the same track. Yes. I could tell the difference. Yes. There was a little more detail, a little more depth, a little more kind of ability to, to pick out a bit of the track and pick out each instrument from each other through the 24 bit. Is it enough to be a deal breaker for most people? No, again, you know who you are. If you know if you care about that and if it's gonna be a massive thing yeah. for you. Also, I think most yeah. people just won't won't really be bothered. Even if they could hear it, within five minutes they'll forget about it because
1: you just attune to whatever you're listening to. The other mm-hmm. problem with like testing these sorts of things as well is that if you've got a half decent pair of earbuds or headphones, then listening to a high res file compared to Spotify anyway, even if it's not twenty-four bit will sound better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Spotify doesn't stream in HD, so but yeah, if you ask most people who are really, really into uh, yeah high-res audio, they won't go anywhere near wireless anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So
0: so yeah. I think these do a better job than a skeptic might think, given that they're A, wireless, and B, small buds, rather than bigger over-ear speakers, or, you know, over headphones, or a proper hi-fi system, or whatever. Um, so I think for the, a certain sort of audio file, they may see this is a convenient way to upgrade their, like, on-the-go true wireless audio and, and get an extra level there. Or just for tech heads who kind of know they want the best thing in the true wireless buds and want that step up. I mean, it's worth saying they are not the only people offering lossless in true wireless, but they are one of very few companies offering lossless and true wireless. And they all have slightly different hoops you have to jump through around compatible phones and things like that. So these problems aren't unique to the Galaxy Buds 2 Pro, and it will just kind of depend where you are. But if you happen to already own a high-end Samsung phone and you care about audio, yeah, get these. These sound great. They look great. They're really excellent buds come in slightly cheaper than the AirPods Pro, which is always going to be the measuring stick for this sort of thing. And certainly I would say they sound better than those and do a lot of stuff better. Um, If you're just a regular person who wants some nice headphones, there's just no need. You know, I think it's more than double the price and nine people out of 10 will not get enough value out of this for it to be worth the price jump, which isn't really how I felt about the Pros before. That the regular models and other rivals around the same price, like the nothing ear one have just come on so much at the cheaper end of the market in the last year or two
2: that what you have to offer at the pro space has changed, I think. So I have one big question about these buds and I've been thinking about this constantly. Um, It's to do with, you know, uh, the feature where if you start talking, uh, they turn off the ANC and turn on transparency mode so you can quickly talk to people Mm -hmm. around you without taking the bud out, which I love the idea of that. But I also sing to my music quite a lot when i'm listening to music does it turn off the anc and then turn on transparency so you hear your own terrible voice
0: i can not say i've walked around singing to myself to test it so i can go away and give it a go <laughs> uh but i think it probably would yeah because it uses a uh, combo of recognizing your voice and like you know a bit there's a bit of machine learning to learn what your voice is and then combining it with jaw movement stuff to detect that so if you were singing yeah, okay. i think that would happen um you can turn this off though right Yes, that's an optional setting. If you don't want it, you can turn it okay. off. Uh, it, it was triggered a couple of times by me muttering to myself as I went around the flat. So um, if you're if you're a crazy <laughs> person sensitive. like me, then yeah, that will happen every now and then. It's slightly annoying. Um, it turns back, it goes back to sort of full volume and transparency off in 10 seconds. So, so you don't have to wait too long through that. And it is no. an optional setting. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, the the only other real gripe I have about these is something I've had about all the galaxy buzz, which is the whole outer air. Is touch sensitive, so if you can't yes. quite get the right fit, any little adjustment you'll just keep hitting the touch area and pausing. I personally prefer with buttons or with specific spots that are touch sensitive and areas that aren't. 100%. Samsung has very consciously made the whole out of it, the whole exposed element is touch sensitive, which for me is a little bit frustrating. Okay, shall we turn to Apple? Things too come. better. Um, <laughs> Apple has confirmed the next big event is September 7th, uh, which is in two weeks time. It has not confirmed that this is the iPhone 14 launch, but it's, you know, it basically doesn't need to at this point. It's holding a big event (laughs) in early September. It's iPhones, people. Uh, (laughs) So, Lewis, why don't you start, maybe before we turn to the iPhones, it's always a bit of a there's always a bit of a guessing game with Apple events as to which things are going yes. out there. Some bits locked in. September <clears throat> means iPhones, <clears throat> but some years it's iPhones plus watches. Some years it's iPhones and iPads. Some years it's different combinations of things. We have a sense from leaks of other than the iPhone 14, do we think there's hardware coming? Yes, um,
2: but it's going to be slightly different to what some people thought um, because for the last few years Apple tends to do iPhones, iPads, and Apple Watch in September. So that's kind of what everybody was expecting this year but it turns out that apple's like no do you know what we're not doing that uh so they pushed back the ipad launch until october um and ipad os 16 is also delayed to coincide with that um so ipads are out for september we don't need to worry about that just yet so what we do need to focus on is iOS, so yes yeah, the iphone 14 range and it's the apple watch series eight um along with that there's also rumored to be a pro model and there's also rumored to be an upgrade to the budget-focused Apple Watch SE because the Series Three is finally getting killed off. Woo! Finally, <laughs> finally, after my campaigning on TechAdvice, all the articles I've been writing about this stupid watch, Apple's finally canning it in September. Um, yeah. So yeah, they need they need a new budget one to replace that. So I think there's a new SE two coming as well. Um, so should we just dive into the iPhone 14? I think that's the one that everybody wants to hear. That's most whatever I about. wants to
0: know about. What are they doing yeah, with that's the iPhones?
2: Not a lot, um, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, okay, let's, let's, let's start
0: be... with one question. Which iPhones are we getting? We know it's the iPhone 14. Last year, we had the iPhone 13, 13 mini, 13 pro, 13 pro max. We yes. are
2: not expecting that same set of four this time. No, we are not. So, yeah, the, um, the beloved Small screen iPhone that tech journalists up and down the land swear by, um, and then didn't don't sell use. well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hasn't, yeah, hasn't <laughs> sold well for the last two years. Apple's can that apparently. Uh, they completely ditched the small model. That's going to be replaced by a Max model. So it's going to be iPhone fourteen Max, uh, which is essentially going to be the same display size as the Pro Max, but without all the Pro Max features. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this idea. I because I mean, for, for my for me, half the motivation is for getting the Pro Max is because I want the biggest display. So, if I've got an option to get a big display that costs 400, I don't know how much it's going to cost, like a few hundred pounds less, then that's immediately more appealing to me if I'm, you know, if I'm not, if I don't care too much about the pro Motion or the extra camera tech.
0: It's sort of funny because it's just them relearning what they used to do, which is they had the plus models, yes. which sometimes had yeah. some spec yeah. boosts over the regular, but not always a lot. It, it was generally speaking, you were just paying for a bigger, bigger phone. That's also, and my, loved my,
1: that. it's also my bingo card uh, guess for the evening is that they'll call it the 14 plus, not the max. Not the max. max. I reckon yeah. they'll keep pro max for the pro. I don't know. It seems like something Apple would do.
2: I mean, we're in a, a crazy time when it comes to product naming, let's be real. <laughs> they, could do they, could, they could do anything at the moment and we'd just be like, fine, whatever. I just accept that. Um, so yeah, so those are the four models that we're expecting this year. Um one really interesting thing that not a lot of people was expecting is that Apple is rumored to do a processor split this year for the first time. Uh, and this is going to be quite a big thing. So if the rumors are correct, the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 max will get the same a 15 chip as last year. Mm. Uh, while the pro models, so that's the pro and the pro max, they will get the upgraded a 16 chip. That's rumored to be announced alongside it. Um, I kind of get it. It's an extra differentiator between the standard and the pro models because the pro, the pro people need the better performance. And let's be real, the A15 is still beating most of the Android competition in benchmarks or kind of coming close to. So there's no need for Apple to kind of push it out. Um, but I sort of possibly agree.
0: I guess what I what I see is this is that long term, I think this makes sense. I think it makes sense to have pro models with a more powerful chip. And I think it makes sense that actually most people buying a regular iPhone model don't need the absolute fastest chip and they probably don't yeah. care about having the absolute fastest chip yeah. as long as they know the one they've got is fast enough and will keep getting support for
1: years. Um, it, it also means what, it can use like a cheaper part and still charge the same for it as well. Yes. Yes. What I think the problem it does raise
0: is that depending on what else they put in the 14s this year, it makes this year's 14 a bad purchase because you might as well mm-hmm. buy. The, and again, if there's massive camera holes, and maybe you know more than me about that, that may change things. But on paper, it makes it gives you a good reason not to buy the 14. Yeah. But that will appear a year from now because the 15 will come out in 12 months and it will be a chipset upgrade on the 14. It will just be lagging a year behind the pros. And at that point, it will all make sense. But this is yeah. the one year where you have to look at the regular model and say, Maybe a bad year to buy a non-pro iPhone.
2: Yeah, I think they have slightly shot themselves in the foot here because, you know, from the rumors I've heard, the the changes are mostly focused on the pro models. There isn't a lot different about the standard 14 and 14 Max aside from the the obvious size change. Uh, Um, And then, do you reckon
1: then that that is also one of the reasons I know that they do a visual change every year so that the the people in the street know you've got the new iPhone, but is that why the (laughs) notch is going to change as well?
2: Well, the notch is only going to change on the Pro models. That right. is a Pro-specific upgrade. Right. Um, so for those that don't know, um, the, the notch is going to go on the Pro models, um, and that's going to be replaced by like a weird sideways eye um, cutout system. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a single and then a double cutout uh, alongside each other. I don't know about it. I don't like I it. I do not, not try try it. A little bit it's sus. A like, little bit sus. What, what is dash dot
1: Morse code for? I, I don't even know. But it looks That's like Morse like code know. to me. I'm going to google it right now. I think
2: for me it just looks like um it's i it's the i from iPhone just on its side. I just yeah. I just
0: don't know why it's not one larger pill notch. Yeah. Like that would be yeah. fine. If they the Apple are wanting to remove the notch and go to a, a sort of control shape great. Apple saying we've got face ID tech so it can't be a single like little dot. I get it. So do a big long pill cutout. And that will look cool. It'll bit look a bit like the old speaker grills did. So you can kind of incorporate yeah, yeah. stuff there. But this, we and, and and no one else on i on the Android side really does it. Some do a two camera pill, but it's still a kind of narrow yeah. one. And they usually do it off in the corner rather than in the middle. Mm-hmm. So it would still be a distinctively Apple design to have this effectively like a triple lens eyes pill cut out in the middle. In the middle. Everyone would you know, still know you- it was an iPhone. No one on Android does that.
1: Can I that live on been air? Been. Create a new rumor, a new conspiracy. Uh, thanks to my frantic googling, I think it looks like Morse code dash dot. That is Morse code for the letter N. And guess what? The fourteenth letter of the alphabet is. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Two mics wow. just dropped. There you go. You that's why they've done my it. Mind. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, carry on. No, that's
2: interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that's the. the that's I'm gonna write the that one up for you tomorrow, dumb. I do.
0: would love if that's actually what's going on deep in Apple Pushed Park, and just like you know, playing around with Morse code. How can we? How can we make this work? How can we fit a little Morse code for the letter N <laughs> into the phone design somewhere? Morse code Easter egg, man. Does that mean they're that's, gonna that's have to change it though? What's the Morse code for? You know, what's, what's the next letter up? Well, what does that next leave year? Us with?
1: It would be O, and that's three dashes there you go it's gonna look awful by 14 the 15 is gonna look
2: um they haven't they haven't bought this for all no it's because they're <laughs> just
1: gonna do it for one year and then put it under the screen that's why
2: <laughs> yeah that is that is the uh, end goal is to get it all under display but if samsung's anything to go by we're still quite away from that yes um, I, I don't think that take is there yet <laughs> no please no um so aside from that, so yeah, like I was saying, most of the upgrades that we're looking at are exclusive to the Pro models. Uh, one of the big exciting things is a reported upgrade to the cameras, ah. and everybody loves a camera upgrade. Um, so the main sensor is said to be a 48 meg, um, which is four times larger than it is now, I think, going uh, from a 12 meg. Yeah. Yep. Um, and there's also said to be kind of improved kind of ultra wide and, and tele, uh, telescopic, not telescopic, sorry, just um, optical zoom and stuff like that. Yeah. But going by the invite have, have we all seen the invite that apple sent out yesterday far out yeah. far out man it's very far out so yeah you've got the tag name far out and then it's kind of like space you got stars in the background so i think astrophotography like nighttime photography is going to be a big part of this new camera system on the pro models um i mean it makes sense so if, you yeah, do apple think that
1: too. rather than no periscope like lens in there that's not the real yeah, thing.
2: i think <clears throat> yeah i'm um, I just can't see Apple doing a periscope unless it's like pixel perfect. And I don't mm. think you're going to get a pixel perfect periscope. No 100 times space soon.
1: zoom in Apple Park. No. No, exactly. <laughs> no blurry moon. <laughs> but I think if they
2: can improve, like, you know, like the Google, uh, the, the Pixel did a few years ago where it had an astrophotography mode where it would take the long exposure and then calculate the rotation. Yeah. And then adjust that so you get rid of the smear from the stars. I think something like that could be possible. Be, just yeah. Just like a dedicated It would be interesting Does to see how they do those? that though.
1: Well, so thing, many like, android phones do that i've never used it once. the pixel does it really well but the thing about the pixel yeah. as well is it could do that and it doesn't use the telephoto it's all to yeah. do with just the main lens
2: and then a buttload of uh, software <laughs> magic to fix it yeah. I, I i love taking like pictures of the sky and stuff like that that's my my big every time i get a, like a like an android i do kind of just do a, a long exposure of the stars yeah outside, i've done long exposures of tripods
1: like. and everything it's, it's the whole yeah. thing
2: <laughs> yeah it's a lot of fun uh so for me and i've got like a really good third party app on my iphone that does a similar thing where it takes pictures over a five minute period and then kind of does all the ai magic for Mm -hmm. me but it's a third party app cool Uh, so to have that built into the camera app would for me i'd be like yeah send it my way um but overall it's kind of an incremental update like we're not we're not seeing huge rewrites of the playbook here. Um, we're still looking at USB. Uh, sorry, Lightning over USB C, which mm. is sad to me. I'm just I'm waiting for that USB C switch over. Some people are saying next year maybe, but it looks like we're stuck with Lightning for another year until um, the EU wades in and exactly yeah. Like, exactly. yeah. Hey, no more. That's when Apple will drop the ports entirely, just to be difficult once again. Um, <laughs> uh, so, we should probably talk just slightly about the the rest of the things being announced. So, Apple Watch Series Eight. Well, one quick question um, before we move on to
0: the watch. You've you've yeah. said all leaks we have so far are mostly about the Pro. Have we got anything about the fourteen and the 14 Max? Any upgrades we think are on the cards? Because so far all we've kind of know is it's not getting a processor upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything um, Leakers do think is, is changing in, in the base
2: model? That's a good question. To me, it's literally, most of the things that I've seen over the last few weeks are all just focused on the Pro. Like, I haven't really seen a lot about the standard, aside from that screen change. And, and you know, there'll be slight design changes, maybe a slightly new camera housing, just to prove to everyone on the street that you've got one of the newer models and things yep. like that. But genuinely, it's not going to be an interesting year. I think they're going to have a similar time to... Um, Couple of years ago, when they had a oh, what phone was it? it? Was the twelve range, the iPhone twelve range? I think the twelve and the twelve Pro were basically identical. Yeah. Uh, and it just meant that nobody bought the Pro everyone went for the the standard one. And I feel like they're going to have that exact same issue this year with the thirteen versus the fourteen until they get out of this sticky situation, like you said, next year yep. when it looks like yep. a better upgrade. It'll pick
0: up next time around. Okay. um We need to wrap up soon, so yeah, let's quickly
2: talk about watches, I guess. Yeah, just going to fly through this. Uh, I mean, this is actually pretty easy because. The Apple Watch Series 8 isn't changing much. There was rumours about a redesign at one point. Those flat edges were touted once again. It's been mm-hmm. a rumor for uh, so long. I know. I hate it so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, for every every year, for the last two or three years, we've been hearing about this flat screen redesign. I prefer, I prefer the not... curvy iPhones, so I don't mind. Yeah, no, I'm quite happy with how it, how the Apple Watch is. I mean, a little refresh would be nice, but I don't know what I want. Like, I, I want something different, but I don't know what that would be. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, so yeah, so... Generally, the same design. Uh, there's talk about new sensors, but there is so much discussion about whether this new sensors are actually going to be on there or not. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, quite a, so quite like, a pivotal uh, point. <laughs> yeah, new sensors I know, <laughs> that are not on there. <laughs> that are not on there. Um, yeah, because um, they were looking at kind of doing things like body temperature sensors and stuff like that. I feel like that's probably likely because it's appearing on a lot of other watches at the moment. So it just kind of makes sense that it would appear on the Apple Watch yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but there were things like yeah, um, like um, blood pressure monitoring and stuff like that. But they think that's now not going to happen on the Watch mm. Eight. Uh, there's going to be a Pro model. Uh, even though it's called a Pro model, it's going to be essentially a rugged version of the Apple Watch designed for outdoor sport. Can't wait. Um, but that sounds
0: strangely it. familiar to another yeah. major tech company with a crazy first that pro isn't brand it <laughs> Watch this year. Amazing, that. They're uh, all shooting so, yeah, for so this, Garmin and, and the
2: others. They yeah. are. They're like, we're, t- we're coming for your end of the market. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a Pro model with um, improved um, kind of materials, more durable display and that kind of stuff. It might, slight, it might be slightly bigger as well. They said there's three sizes of Apple Watch coming this year. So uh, it might be like a 46 or a 48. You, Samsung must mean? be
0: so chuffed that they got their first <laughs> by like a month. Because <laughs> you know, know yeah, even literally. if it'd been like a, a couple, the, the way reverse, one month, everyone would be like, Samsung's copying Apple, they saw the Apple launch and they somehow in a month turned around and you watch the Magic. absolutely mimicked apples. But yeah, quick,
1: no, no one can say it now. I'll be real quick, but this is my theory with that. They are gunning for Garmin and all the all the rest with, but but those products you can still get for probably cheaper than what the base Apple Watch is oh, now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Apple yeah. release a Pro that appeals to that section of the market and has that kind of branding. But it'll be like for like five or six hundred pounds, and then yeah. Apple people will just buy it anyway because it's the best one. Yeah. It's like the rumored. Uh, Pro it doesn't mean, mean anything; it just means that the most the expensive. <laughs> I, <laughs>
0: yes, I think exactly. they're both they're both going to well, though in the ways we were talking about with the Galaxy Pro. That there's a there's a tension between the kind of products and design language that the companies have and want; these have to be aspirational, and what someone like Garmin or Polar is doing, which is functional. And at yeah, the end yes. of the day, there's a certain tier of people who will still go for the aspirational one, but the people who are really committed are just going to be like, "No, I need the functional one." And it's things yeah. like the buttons. And how it handles sweat. And knowing that you can really trust the battery life. And that they haven't put in features that don't contribute to tracking the run you're on today. Because all you bought this watch for is to track the run you're on today. And I think they're going to hit attention where they find that a lot of the people who really want those high-end, rugged, performance sports watches. They don't mind that that watch they only put on when they go for the run and they take it off the rest of the time or something like that. And they want something that really ticks all the, the... features they need and the functionality and i just think i don't think you can get all that functionality in while still having the luxury design language yeah. the smooth buttonless stuff and all the other smart features they need to cram into their product to say that it's not under featured
1: i find this rumor fascinating and i hope it's true because i really want to see how they split the line and how they position it i think it'll be really interesting yeah. and mm, i'm, I'm to totally familiar. a victim to that too i want one Even though I'm I'm never
2: gonna be the Yeah. But you know.
0: (laughs) And to be clear, this isn't me saying it's gonna fail and flop and they'll never do it again. I don't know that it'll be a hit for them, but I don't think it's gonna kill Garmin. I think there'll be so many people who still look at what Garmin does and what Polar do that is still very different to anything an Apple Watch Pro is gonna offer. Yeah. That there's there's gonna be an audience for that regardless.
2: Like for me, from the Pro model, I know it'll be aimed to, you know towards exercise and, and outdoor things and all this kind of fun stuff. But as long as it has extra battery life, I just want that. Like, I don't mm. care what it's for. Like, I just want an Apple Watch with extra battery life. So I feel like there might be a, a market of people that just want mm. the standard experience, but just for a little bit longer yeah, uh, as well. Uh, and then also there's the Apple Watch SE2, which is going to be the new budget-focused Apple Watch. Um, it's going to be essentially identical to, like, the Series uh, 5 or Series 6. Uh, it's got kind of always on display. Slighting improvements to um, the... Series 4 that the SE, this current SE is based on, but it's still going to be, you know, fairly limited compared to what you're going to get from the 8 and the 8. Yeah. To me,
1: it makes the Pro and the SE the compelling ones because then if you're getting like the equivalent of a Series 6 a couple of years on where that watch is still perfectly good today, Uh, for the price of what is it, like under 300, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. The question is if they, what they,
0: don't pack into the SE that they do in the current one because I mean, we've certainly seen, yeah. say, on the phone side, they'll be are like perfectly willing to top off features. Oh, yeah, in the SE yeah. to f- in the, you know, this year's SE phone that the hardware can support to make sure that there's another gap between it and yeah. the flagship. And I wouldn't be mm-hmm. shocked if we see similar here on the watch side where there's some stuff that people are like. No, the hardware can do this, but somewhere in there, Apple put a lock on that says
1: the SEs can't do X, Y, I've Z. I've got a
2: feeling that Always On Display is going to get the hit.
1: Yeah, I just I was yep. about to say that. Yep. Yeah. 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 They can exactly. definitely do it, and they'll just turn it off.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we will find out before too long. Uh The launch is just in Wednesday in two weeks' time. So the possibly the next episode we have a fast charge. We'll be able to talk about that because, like I said earlier in the show, I don't know if we're going to manage to do next week because two thirds of us will be out in Berlin for IFA. We will be seeing what we can do. If we can do a special EFA show, uh, do a live broadcast from out there, that may not be at the normal time. If we do make it work, it may be that our internet is absolutely rubbish and it's just an no option at all. In which case, I apologise in advance. Either way, we will definitely be back in two weeks' time to talk about all things Apple all over again. Until then, <laughs> thank you to everyone who's been watching and listening. Thank you to Lewis and Henry for joining me. And bye for now.
2: See ya. Thanks.